Hiya, folks. Hey, what an incredible... Oh, thank you. God bless you. <laughs> um, what an incredible day today is, eh? Just the surprising... What were the words you had, Robert? Unexpectedness of how God is moving amongst us today. I don't know about you, but I'm really touched, really blessed. You know... Um, I just want to be dad of the house for just a moment before I preach, and I won't get to do that very much at all, um, but I just want to really encourage you to come before 10 o'clock. really want to encourage you that church begins at, at 10, and it just means so much. The atmosphere builds as different ones all arrive, and I know it's difficult, but hey, look, we've got iPhones, and they have all sorts of stuff on them that can get you out of bed at the right time. <laughs> and, and I just encourage you, as the dad of the house, to, to really make it a, 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 an important thing to do. God is, is here and amongst us, but if, if he were to send someone from, um, that, that hasn't been here before and they arrived at 22, what would the atmosphere be like if you were not here? But what would it be like if you were here? So let me just really encourage you to to um, stay plugged in. It's a bit like the old, old illustration of a fire can have a lot of heat, but if you, want to, if you want to dull the fire down, you just take coals out. And the enemy's very good at just bringing distractions, especially on a Sunday morning, and so that the heat is not as great as it could be at the very beginning. And I really encourage us, um, especially going into a season where, of change, where Sandra and I are going to be um, uh, retiring, it's really important that we, that we are together. With communion, do you notice how many people are actually here? But we've got so many empty seats because we've built such a beautiful building. Every seat's the best seat in the house, but some people think that their seat is better than other seats, and you like some of the ones that are more up the back, etc. But I just want to encourage you, keep, keep connecting. In fact, let's shift from what I'm saying now by you standing and just greeting two or three people around you. Make sure you say to them, I am glad you are in the house today. Okay, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Just take your seats again. That's what church is about. And when we're closer together, that happens even more. Have you ever thought if you were arrested for being a Christian, even in New Zealand, if you were arrested for being a Christian and you could only take one chapter of the Bible to prison with you, what chapter of the Bible would you take? For me, I would take Romans chapter 12. I think it's just such a brilliant summary of how to live the Christian life in a way that keep, you just keep growing and growing because you deal with your own attitudes, you're dealing with your thought life, and, and it has some amazing things 
on how to live the Christian life well, how to live an overcoming life, and I would want that if I was going into prison. But in the midst of that, in Romans chapter 12, it has some little words that are more important than we think. And I just want to read you a sample here. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tight to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Never be lazy, it says, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And here come these words. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Can you say those words, practice hospitality with me? Practice hospitality. You know what happens when you practice? Hmm. And I want to really highlight practicing hospitality today because I think it's a tool as change is coming to the church that is vital. It's a tool in every day and every season of the church, but it will really help SABC if we were to take this on board as we go into a time of transition. You know, food just has such a big place in, in making people feel welcome, eh? making people feel special, connecting and bonding with people. So I want to get you thinking about food by this little illustration. When a man volunteers to do the barbecue, the following chain of events are put into motion. The woman buys the food. The woman makes the salad, prepares the vegetables, and makes the dessert. The woman prepares the meat for cooking, places it on a tray along with the necessary cooking utensils and sauces, and takes it to the man who is lounging beside the barbecue, drink in hand. Hello? Hello, yeah, this has got some reality to it. Um, And here comes the important part. The man puts the meat on the grill. And then the woman goes inside to organize the plates and the cutlery, and the woman comes out to tell the man that the meat is burning. He thanks her, and he asks if she will bring another drink while he deals with the situation. And then another part. The man takes the meat off the grill and hands it to the woman. The woman prepares the plate, salad, bread, utensils, napkin sauces, and brings them to the table. And after eating, the woman clears the table and does the dishes. And the most important part of all is everyone praises the man and thanks him for his cooking efforts. And the man asks the woman how she enjoyed her night off. And seeing her annoyed reaction concludes, there's just no pleasing some women. (laughs) Anyone got sore ribs? I just think that's such a funny, funny situation, you know. But food is hugely important in helping people to really relax at our places and feel part of us and to bond with people. You know, it's, it's a really important part. But have you ever stopped to think how important hospitality, practicing hospitality, is in a church's life to bring stability and to bring connection within the church? And I want to ask you, how important is this church to you? Or sorry, how important is that church to you? You know, David said, God, there's one thing, there's just one thing I desire, and that would be that I could dwell in your house, God, throughout my entire life, 
And he got to do all sorts of things. He's still famous today. I think it's around 3,000 years later. There are still streets and, and children and hotels named after David. But the one thing in his life he went after that enabled everything else just to come into place was that he wanted to be in God's house. He said, one day in your house, Lord, is worth a thousand days outside of your house. Just being in the house of God. Do you reckon David would have been 10 minutes late to church? I think he would have been there at the beginning. He would have, been, he would have had teams together so that when new people came, they came into an atmosphere of bubble and joy and love and excitement and welcome and maybe food as well. You know, one of my friends got saved out of a, a drugs and immoral type of lifestyle. And from the moment he got saved, for a period of about two years, um, he had such a desire. It, it, I shouldn't say that because it's still continuing today, but, but it was really strong. He had such a desire to be at church. He did, just would not miss anything from cell group to church on Sunday. He wanted to be with God's people. He wanted to be where Jesus was active. He wanted to know what the teaching of Jesus was all about. And it wasn't very long before he became a youth leader in the church. And, and he just gave his assets. He was fairly uh, uh, wealthy. And he used his car and his other toys to just gather up kids. And it wasn't long before he'd taken a youth group of three or four kids into a into a thriving youth group. He wanted to be in the church, and so God blessed him for his heart for God and for heart for ministry. We've got to remember, Jesus doesn't have a plan B. There's no other answer for the world than the church. And the church might not look like the answer yet, but it is the answer. It's just the answer in small form. And it's not perfect but my Bible tells me the church is going to get better and better. Are you expecting that? Yeah. You know, there's a poem that I came across that sums up how churches often are. Um, it says this, I think I shall never see a church that's all it should be. A church whose members never stray or come late beyond the straight and narrow way. A church that has no empty pews, whose pastor never has the blues. A church whose elders always speak, and none are proud, and all are meek. Such perfect churches there may be, but none of them are known to me. But still, we'll work and pray and plan to make our own church the best we can. You see, Jesus has called us to work with him to build the church. He says, I'll build my church. But have you noticed Jesus does very little without using his Christians, his people? It's only over and above what the people are doing that the supernatural and the powerful start to fall upon the church because there's an attitude of faith that gets built as people are, are together. So I really want to ask you, do you love this church? Sandra and I love this church. We love you. We've given our lives, a big portion of our lives, to see what God can do in this little area of Christchurch. We love it. Do you want to see St. Albans Baptist Church flourish? Is it your heart desire to see people getting saved here, lives getting turned around, 
couples finding marriage partners or getting married as part of the church here and more and more little children running around. Don't you love the kids? Our attitude towards God is refreshing us again with a new wave of, of children coming into the church, and it's a glorious thing to actually see. Do you want to see St. Auburn's Baptist flourish? Or will it be, oh, well, John and Sandra have gone, so now we'll go look, at for, look for another church. Because that's what a lot of people do do. They don't plant themselves in. They don't realize they're part of the answer to anything that's going on. They probably don't practice hospitality. You can be part of... You see, a lot of people think the church is like um, a rugby game where you go along and you watch the players play and you go home and you're excited and it's good. But the church is... We're on the field. Every one of us is on the field. And we get to do the actual game. The sad thing is a lot of people are watching. And I'm asking you, do you love this place? Do you want to see it flourish in God? Do you want to see it become all it can be? Did you give thousands and thousands of dollars to build this into what it is so that it can be partly full? Or did you give it with a faith aspect? See, I'm believing that what God is going to do when we're gone will be far, far greater than anything he's done while we're here. Maybe it's because of us. But God's, we've been praying. You've been praying. We've been giving. We've been building so that what God does in the future just can continue to grow and be established and become. And so these little words, practice hospitality, are more important than we may think. You know, how much we practice hospitality is a good indicator of the condition of our heart. How much we practice hospitality is a good indicator of the condition of what's going on inside us in our heart. Lots of people want to be one of the movers and the shakers around a church, and they want influence given to them, and they want to be trusted. But what's going on in their heart? It often shows by what's going on in their home. If we put it in food terms, whether there's anything cooking in the kitchen. If you want to be a leader in God's church, I would say to you, practice hospitality because you will build influence with people. People will see through conversation whether your heart is negative or whether your heart is a beautiful flowing stream that has a lot of positivity and belief and hope in God as you spend time drinking and eating together. If you want to see people come to Christ, I would say to you, practice hospitality because that's what builds connection with people with the people that we're praying for? Do you want to see the people who come and check us out week by week stay? I would say to you, practice hospitality and invite them to your homes. Do you want to see people who, who um, uh, see the youth group uh, flourish and develop depth? Then practice hospitality and invite them over, even if they all come. Biscuits aren't that expensive. And if you want to see your kids fit into the youth group and get accepted, then practice hospitality. Invite them. If you want to see the heart and soul of the church deepen, I think the Bible would say to us today, practice hospitality. You know, a church can say all the right things and have all the right programs, but without hospitality, there's no heart. 
or very little heart if we're not having people into, into our homes. There's no bonding over food and drink. And we see people so differently when we do that, don't we? You know, one of the reasons the Alpha Course, which has run for maybe 25 years now, has been so successful is that they do not allow you to run Alpha without having a meal. Because it's the meal where people talk about their day and share about their kids and their family or their hopes or their job. And suddenly you're, you're opened up in a different way when you start talking spiritual things. Maybe these words, practice hospitality, are more important than we realize. They're actually high impact words. You know, years ago, I asked the Holy Spirit um, about hospitality, why, he, why it's so important. And he said to me, it's the language of heaven, John. It represents how the Father thinks about the whole of mankind. Because the Bible tells us that humankind is largely pushing God away, and yet God, through every generation, and especially in G through the work of Jesus Christ, has been reaching out with love and with hospitality to the world, offering his substance to, to us. You know, in the prodigal son story, which is really a story illustrating the heart of the father, the first thing the father does, representing God the father, is kill the fatted calf, having a party. Woo! Party! And the religious ones, oh, you can't do that. He's been away. Yeah. And the second thing the Holy Spirit said to me is, hospitality is the overflow of a full and a healthy heart. Which brings me back to what I said. Hospitality just reveals what's going on inside of us to a large degree. None of us are created to be islands. True? You know, where we're cut off from everyone. And hospitality is natural in the net, in the, in, out in the world, but it, within the church even more so. It's an outcome of living Christianly because it's all about loving God and loving people. And if we love people, we'll be with them and we'll be sharing our substance in cafes, but especially in our homes as well. And one of the ironies of Sandra's and I leaving, when Sandra stood up here and said, we want to just make our time available to different ones of you to connect with us and, and, and to have meals with us or meet in cafes, etc., is that our friendships are deepening even more, which makes it even more troublesome to my heart as we're leaving, because I realize what I'm leaving in you guys, in the friendships that are there. You know, I've, I've had such amazing conversations in the last month or so. But it's one of the tests of maturity as a Christian as, and as a church is how much hospitality is actually taking place in our homes. You know, if you look in the background of this church, which has been going for heading towards 100 years now, um, this church, um, you'll find that hospitality has been happening in every generation. The, the previous generation before when I came, I heard stories about the names of Ray and Mrs. Mrs. Griffith. And the rights, and I heard stories, Joan, if you're, yes, you're here today, of, of hospitality with you, and you're just continuing it on today, you're a legend, and, and of Averson and Melvin, um, and of David and Glenis Dodge, and I won't say too much about Newton, because he's going to get plenty of praise today, with his 80th birthday, but... Um, 
that, you know, you guys have done such a job. And I was visiting Frances Wiggins uh, about six weeks ago, and, and she told me a story. She said it was in lockdown. Now, in a, if you're in an older people's home, a retirement home, um, and it's all completely locked down during lockdown. No one's supposed to go in because they're the most... Um, vulnerable ca- uh, cases, aren't they? And she hears some noise out on the outside, and she looks out, and here's Glennis Dodge with food, knocking on the fence, and she's got a meal or so for, for, um, for Francis, so that Francis will know she's loved and she's cared for. And, and, and you know, Glennis, you've been doing that for years, and, and you won't stop doing it, I'm sure. Thank you for what you're doing. It's just absolutely precious. And I know it's dangerous to name names, but, but I want, just want to go on for a little bit. There's Mike and Linda. They, you guys are just incredible with the people you have over. And, and um, Nairi and John, you're constantly using hospitality to build the church. It, it's so appreciated. And Caleb and Kat, you know, I've seen you gathering up um, new people to the church as well as uh, ones who've been here forever and, and offering, taking them out for lunches to cafes or back to your home. And it's just, it builds. It, it says to people, we value you. And, and Meredith, when we were out the other day, you shared with me that on your first Sunday here at, at um, SABC, Mer- um, uh, Joan and Beryl said to you, come and, come and have a cup of tea with us in the cafe. And you just made you feel, I'm home. I can belong here because hospitality, even just an hour after church time, makes such a difference. It's wonderful. You know, um, Bruce and Brenda are legendary in their hospitality, and Simon and Leanna um, also, and Karen and Mark Headley, and Don and Heather. You guys have just been amazing in opening up your home and just inviting people. Come and invade us is kind of the signals that you give to everyone, and people get connected uh, through, through doing that. And, and Chris and Alan Baston, you guys do it with panache. It's just so, we had such a good night the other night with you. We we laughed like I haven't laughed in ages, and it was just incredible. Everyone that was there just thoroughly enjoyed it. And Donna and Murdo, I know you guys are doing hospitality all the time. And Miriam, I've had meals when you and Morris were pastoring, but but hospitality's just been part of your nature. It's it's there. And Stephen Marie, and I could just go on and on, but I need to move on. So. Thank you, and if I, haven't, if I haven't mentioned your name, it's not because what you're do, doing is not just as powerful and as valuable as the people that I have mentioned right now. Stephen Kay, meals at your place, and the way you opened your home up for uh, the trust and just, just really did that hospitality thing. It's appreciated. It builds. Thank you for what you're doing. It's really a secret weapon that's not secret. But unless we talk about it, we can just think, oh, yeah, 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 and carry on with our lives. I want to encourage you, if you come here on a Sunday and you haven't been out in the cafe for a while, why don't you determine, maybe you can't do it today because you've got things already organized, but why don't you determine, I'm going to stay for a while and just connect with people because there might be someone there that I want to invite home for in a, a few weeks' time ahead of that. I want to share uh, something I learned um, Years ago, in in a previous church I was pastoring, and I thought the church was growing and grew because of my preaching. What I didn't realize was there were two families working every week behind the scenes, and they were gathering people up 
and, and getting to know them and making them feel special and helping them to meet other people and find acceptance. They were practicing hospitality on a really regular basis. In fact, it was weekly. And when you find a church that's growing, you will find good preaching and other systems and things in place. But behind the scenes, I reckon in any church, you will find people who have made it their mission to practice hospitality and to build the church using their gifts. And so I didn't realize how good these guys were at, were doing, until they were gone. Uh, Bob, one of the couples, the, the husband of one of the couples, he died. And uh, the other couple, they were um, reaching retirement age and they retired and they moved away to another area. And suddenly, when these two couples were not practicing hospitality as they had been, man, it became noticeable in terms of church life. Bob, Bob and Marge and Gordon and Betty. Can I tell you a little bit about um, Gordon? Gordon worked on the, on the factory floor and he drove an old Morris Minor. This isn't Gordon, but it could be. Um, in the day when most people were driving <laughs> Falcons and Escorts, um, he was always fixing it. And, and Gordon was in his late 50s and he had comb over here. Okay? He, he just was convinced no one would know. And, and so he combed it over. Um, and Gordon and Betty didn't have a lot of money. Uh, but it didn't matter at all, because every Sunday they would invite between, invite between 5 and 20 people to their home. And before they came to church, they would cook soup, heat soup. I'm not sure what you do with soup, but they would, they would, they would get the soup together and some rolls, and they would say, come to our place. It's a shared lunch, and you'll go past a bakery on the way to our place, so just stop off and grab something and put it on the table, and we'll have a shared lunch. And... Whenever we would go there, we would, it would often you would not have a seat because there were so many other people that were there. And, and they would, um, often people would stay all afternoon. Many times people would just invite themselves because they knew that it was this hospitality family and it, and it was you brought something and so you weren't kind of draining them um, there. And people would often stay and have tea, which was soup and rolls. And, and then we would go down to church together for the night service as well. And, and it was absolutely fantastic. Their house was average. Their car was average. They had comb, Gordon had comb over here. But every Sunday their house was full. And, and it was a home where people really felt welcome and comfortable. Um, it was wonderful. And they knew why they were doing it. They weren't doing it to make heaps of friends. They were doing it to build the church. They had a mission, and they knew that this was something that was so important, and they practiced it. And then there was Bob and Marge. Um, and Bob had a, had a reasonable amount of wealth. And Bob owned a furniture business, and he would employ people from the church, a bit like you were doing, Newton, back in the day, many people working for you. Um, and, and Bob loved toys. And some of you have got lots of toys. The person down here I've met that's most like Bob is a guy called Dave Diggs, a friend of mine. And he's got boats and cars and speedboats and skis. And he just loves to be able to share that stuff to be able to help and build the kingdom and for people to enjoy. And he uses them strategically. Bob would use these things strategically for hospitality. And money was no object. I can remember Marge once voicing. I was right there with her. I heard her say it. And she said, Bob, there's so many people. It's so expensive. And Bob said these words. He said, 
They're there, Marge. We'll just increase the food budget. <laughs> and his favourite saying was, it's lovely to share. He would always be saying, when someone would say something, he'd say, oh, it's just lovely to share. And Bob was always in the foyer, and he would say to people, would you like to come to lunch? And he too knew why he, why he was doing it. He was doing it to build that church because he loved that church. And his brother-in-law once said to him, Bob, what are you doing in the west of Auckland? Sell up and come over to the east where you've got the boating and, and the new, new marina's been built over there. And Bob said, no way. He said, I have got a mission to build this church. So I'm staying right where I am. And his house was full of fine furniture. You had to wait to be seated. There was always a roast and saucers and serviettes um, that were there and desserts with cream. Bob loved cream. And there was polite chat. It was just a different atmosphere to the other house. But people felt absolutely loved in their place. And they loved it and they came back. And Bob would say, you don't need to bring anything. But people always, being generous and kind-hearted Christians, always brought stuff. It's only the youth group that have to learn that. <laughs> I don't know whether they're learning it here, but, but you know, and Bob was, Bob was fine. Yeah, yeah, look, no, we'll add it on the table. You know, it'll be part of the afters, and you can stay into the afternoon. And I'm telling you this in detail because these two families represent two ends of the spectrum, and every one of us is somewhere in between which means every one of us can practice hospitality if we take the Bible to heart. And it also illustrates there's no one way to do it. You don't have to be like someone else. I, I actually think the best way is shared lunch because everyone comes with a real sense of togetherness and it's sustainable. It can go on and on and on without draining a family who may not be able to afford. So you might say, I haven't got enough money. But honestly, it's no obstacle if you're just willing to say, hey, we've got a shared lunch, we'd love you to come. There's a bakery just called Kids Cakes. If you haven't discovered it yet, it's fantastic. Just drop in and then pop over to our place. And you might say, I've got lots of money, and that's cool. But just have an attitude that says to anybody that comes in, yes, thank you for what you've contributed. It's wonderful. And you might say, I'm not the best-looking person. I've got comb over here. And we'll go, really? I never noticed. <laughs> but it's not about our looks. It's about what's in our heart, isn't it? And you might say, but I'm not good at this. It's not my gift. And that's why it says practice hospitality. Practice. And if you look up the Greek, the, the, the actual meaning of practice in the Greek is practice. Jesus practiced hospitality without even having a house. That couple who were having a wedding were so glad they put him on the wedding list. <laughs> so glad. And when he fed the four to 5,000 people in Luke chapter 9, it's just his heart. He couldn't let them go. He didn't have a house, but he couldn't let them go without blessing them with food. And one day after his preaching, um, he arrived at Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law, who would normally get the food together, um, was sick. So he heals her. She gets up and gets the food together so that he can have a meal. 
And when he's, after he's resurrected, he comes into the room and everyone's just... And he goes, hey, it's me. I'm a guest. Is there any food here? <laughs> he practiced hospitality. If Jesus was constantly enriching the lives of people around him, so should we. And so it doesn't matter if you're married, if you're single, if you're older, if you're younger, if you're good at it, or an absolute pure novice. Practice makes perfect. Romans 12, 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So my challenge to everyone here at SABC is to get involved, to become part of the team. And you can be part of the team by such a simple thing as practicing hospitality. You know, we have a unique DNA here. People often say when they come and visit us, the friendliness is amazing. But let's deepen that by inviting people into our homes again and doing it deliberately to build the church. I want you to stand if you, if you want to uh, do business with God in this area of hospitality this morning. Lord, you're after our heart, first of all, and we offer that to you today. These two simple words that are more important than we think. Lord, they are part of the key for this next season of church life, especially important in transition. And I pray, God, that you'll take our hearts and you'll cause our, just our motivation, Lord, to, um, to practice and practice and practice. And to have those times when we're just laughing with our sides feeling like bursting. And we're having other times where we're able to help people because they open up to us about something really deep within their lives. Happening more and more and more. Because we're in relational fellowship with one another over food. I pray your blessing and I pray that you'll take us at our word today. And help us to put um, the wonderful resource that you've given us at this stage of our life, Lord. And, and not hold it so tightly that we won't want to share it in food with the people that we, that we know as well as the new ones that we will meet in the future. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Amen. Amen.